What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and I've got special guest who needs no introduction, Jason Whitrock. How are you, man? I'm doing awesome, man. How's everybody doing today? Thanks for listening. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So anybody that doesn't know you, man, just give us like a little bio, a little intro on who are you and what got you in the keto space, man? Wow. Uh, so first off, I'm a husband. Uh, I'm a father. I have a two and a half year old son named Paxton. I have a new baby girl coming in January. Her name is Sawyer. Uh, so that all keeps me very, very busy. Um, I'm 37 years old. I just turned 37. I don't feel 37. Hopefully I don't look 37. But uh, I've been in the fitness industry for about 10 years. Um, I got into it kind of late. Uh, as a matter of fact, after college, I got into a publishing um, industry and I was there until I sold a company and I was like 27, 28. Um, and then got into the fitness industry a little bit late. Uh, I grew up a wrestler uh, my entire life. So I've been athletic. Uh, so when I got into the fitness industry, things kind of came natural. It was almost like I wish I had done it much, much earlier. Uh, I discovered it was my true passion. Um, so I've been sponsored with bodybuilding.com. I've done a lot of stuff with them. I've had a number of companies I've been partnered with to kind of help my uh, fitness career. Jumped on the YouTube game uh, about three years ago, I think. And that really uh, was awesome. That kind of took my career off and allowed me to, you know, uh, get in touch with a lot more people. Um, in terms of how I got into the keto space, it was actually kind of by fortune, I suppose. Um, I was a trainer in Atlanta and I was, you know, uh, just working with the average person that wanted to build muscle and get shredded and all these other superficial things. And then uh, I met a gentleman who was the chief medical officer for a uh, mental health uh, institution. And he invited me in because they were doing a study on metabolic syndrome. Um, and so Basically, this facility was uh, just filled with kids 18 to 25 years old from all around the country. They all suffered from mental illness. So schizophrenia, uh, bipolar, cutters, kids that have tried to commit suicide, you name it, these kids had it. And they all took a certain medication that um, bumped their just totally wrecked havoc on their body, um, made them gain like 30 pounds in a matter of a month or two. Um, and what ultimately ends up happening is the side effects of this medication, although they do cure a lot of the uh, mental disorders, um, opens them up to an early death. And so they were um, trying to see what effect diet and exercise had on reversing a lot of these. And the diet they used was the ketogenic diet. Um, at that point in time, it was a whole, it was a whole, it changed my life forever. Um, just, just working with those kind of kids. Like I said before, I was working with people who wanted bigger biceps, and now I was working with kids that just wanted to live another day and be happy. Um, but when I got there, I was your average bro, <laughs> you know, following that average uh, bodybuilder diet advice. Um, I knew somewhat about nutrition uh, in terms of I knew carbohydrates at that point made you fat, um, but I did not know that you could eat healthy fats. And so I was very, very skeptical. I mean, literally, literally Robert, I, I thought they were putting these kids on a death sentence and I couldn't believe it. So it really forced me to change the way I thought and forced me to dig deeper into keto. Unfortunately, at this time, there were no, you. if you Googled ketogenic diet, you're just going to get the definition for ketoacidosis. There was 
it's it was mm-hmm. well before its time. It was only in the medical community. It had not reached mainstream. So um, I learned what I knew from the doctors that were putting the kids on the diet, and um, that's how I found keto. <laughs> Changed my life forever. Wow, man, that's I didn't even know that. And I've I've met you before, so that's all news to me. What what? Um, yeah, man. Actually, I want to back up a little bit farther here and start from the beginning. So wrestling, you were into wrestling, like WWF wrestling, or like giving the chair, or like. No, no, high school and early. No, 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 like no regular wrestling, like you know the type you see in high school and stuff. So I started wrestling at uh, a very young age. I think I was like nine years old, and it was a great experience. Taught me a lot. Uh, I was kind of naturally gifted for it, but it was a grueling and very demanding sport. Um, I ended up leaving it in college and uh kind of checked out of the health and fitness for a while i felt like i had sacrificed so much for so long and i kind of fell victim to now i want to it's it's almost like having a parent that's super really overprotective and you don't really have a childhood and then as soon as you leave no parents you just go crazy and that's kind of what i did unfortunately and wasted a lot of years doing it so you stopped doing that in college then from then until like 27 28 correct traditional nine to five not health yeah i didn't work out at all bro i didn't i didn't touch a weight I didn't care what I ate all through college. And then after college, uh, I had an opportunity to start a magazine publishing business with uh, another friend of mine. We successfully ran that. I was an entrepreneur, so to speak, grinding, you know, 10, 12 hour days, not paying any attention to my health at all uh, or fitness. I, all I cared about was making money and surviving. I didn't care about anything else. Um, and to look back at it now, I mean, I almost threw it all away. I mean, I was very stressed, very depressed back then. Um, But we fortunately were able to get out of the business. We sold it to a printer. And then I had to say to myself, well, I had all these non-competes, all these, you know, I I had to get out of the industry entirely. Um, So I didn't know what to do. I was 27 years old, had a chunk of change from selling the business, but I had no direction at all. I didn't even know who the hell I was at that point. And so what I did was I just kind of went back to what was easy. And that was go back to the gym. So <laughs> I'll never forget. I mean, I walked into the gym and, you know, I'm, I'm of, I, I can, you know, my body responds very quickly. So it didn't take me long to get back into it. Next thing I knew, people were like walking up to me at the gym, like, hey, how do I, you know, asking me for advice? I'm like, dude, I've, I've just been here for two weeks. I'm trying to get my life together. But I quickly realized that I can help a lot of people out because I did know what I was doing and stuff. And so that turned into, Starting my own uh, training business, I had one of the biggest training um, businesses in Atlanta, and I was doing it very, very successfully, helping people from all walks of life. Uh, but and then came the sponsorships, um, and I got into the social media and left that behind. So I no longer train people in the gym. Dive into like bodybuilding.com, man. Like you, because like when I first met you. Before I met you, actually, just online, because um, I knew you were sponsored uh, by Bodybuilding.com. What's that like? Like, what does that chapter of your life look like? Um, it was it was a total career game changer. It launched me into. It allowed me to say, okay, you know, at that point, like I said, I was grueling. You can only train so many people, and there's only so many hours in the day to train people in the gym, and it's very physically exhausting. And I was kind of looking for a way out. And I really wasn't at that point. I didn't feel like I was legitimate enough to like really go out and start doing the social media stuff. And, 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 you know, and so I, uh, they do a bodybuilding.com spokesmodel search and, um, I don't know if they still do it or not actually, but this was in 2015, I believe. 
and I just signed up, man. And um, you have to upload videos and it's a rigorous process. Then they fly you out to LA. You do a competition on stage. They narrow it down to five people. And it was this huge, huge thing. I mean, I felt like I was trying out for American Idol, to be honest with you. Um, and they ended up, and so I didn't end up winning. Um, a guy by the name of Rainer uh, won, but they still afterwards signed me on to the team and sponsored me, which was really cool. Um, and so from that point, all of a sudden, I was really, really into the fitness industry. Like I was all of a sudden attached to the biggest um, name in the game. Um, and it was looking back on it now, it was a great experience. I learned a lot good things about the industry and bad things about the industry, though, to be honest with you. Um, it really just opened me up to a huge amount of people. Um, and so that was definitely a turning point, I guess, the beginning of my career, to be honest with you. And I learned a lot about the fitness industry through that. Um, good and bad, to be honest with you, you know, you kind of see the ugly beast that is the fitness industry, but, um, you know, I, I got amazing opportunities. I'm no longer with bodybuilding.com. They went under, they went, uh, through a lot of changes, got bought by a hedge fund, private equity firm. And anytime that happens, you know, things kind of change. And so, but looking back, it was, uh, an amazing experience. That's very cool, man. I mean, like bodybuilding.com is kind of like, just like the big pillar. I mean, that's what I learned. All my yeah, exercises it was the I would always go and read the forums and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It so, was the so what's, shit, what's man. a, like a, a supplement? What does a, a supplement uh, sponsorship look like? They, they gave you product and then you, you know, talk about that product. Like I, that, this is all Greek to me. Yeah. So they, so with bodybuilding.com, since they're a distributor, um, and they basically work with supplement companies. I was able to sign with a supplement company and with bodybuilding.com. And it's kind of crazy how the two kind of go together. Basically, here's how it worked out. And this is what I found out. Bodybuilding.com, largest online retailer of supplements in the entire world. They work with supplement brands. So they signed me onto the team. And then I'm, a, I'm pretty sure they contacted some of the – like Muscle Farm, for example – and they said, hey, listen, we got this kid. He's on our team. Will you sponsor him? And the two together put content together. And it's almost like I'm helping bodybuilding.com out by helping Muscle Farm out, for example. Does that make sense? Gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah, that's how they worked. Definitely. Yeah, that's how they work together. So with this, there's a lot of different types of sponsorships in the fitness industry when it comes to the supplement companies in terms of deals. Um, a lot of companies will reach out to you and they'll say, hey, listen um will you promote our brand wear our clothes post on social media um we'll give you some free product um you know we'll give you a discount code to make commission um the, and, and their strategy is hit up as many people as possible for that to do that right mm -hmm. um the sponsor and i i kind of and and you know I didn't really want to take that route because I'm trying, you know, I, at that point was with bodybuilding.com. I was already established. I, I, I could, I could start making demands. I could sit at the negotiating table. And so what I did essentially was, um, I took a salary, uh, from all the companies that I've worked with, uh, because I wanted to be an integral part of the companies, not just here's my discount code and things like that. And so they paid me uh, X amount of dollars per month to do exclusive video content for them to post about them on social media and all of that stuff. Um, so that's kind of how it works. Um, 
in terms of cool. supplements. It's it's a crazy game though, man. You know, and we could we could do an entire episode on just that. And I know there's a lot of people out there that are interested in getting sponsored. They wanna they wanna know the truth about the sponsorships. You have to be very careful. Um, it's it's easy to get caught. Let me put it this way: like you 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 think most people think, hey, if I want to be legit in the fitness industry, I have to have a sponsor, right? Would you agree? Yeah, it's kind of what you've always been told, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, I need a sponsor, and as soon as I get a sponsor, I can make. I'm I'm legit. So they'll settle for anything, any company that hits people up, and they're like, hey. You know, even if the people don't, even if I don't like the product, I'm still going to say, yeah, I'll take the sponsorship just so I can seem legit. And that's what I see a lot of people doing. I'm very glad that I did not do that. Um, and so, you know, you have to just kind of be careful and I think have integrity in the beginning. Is it a product that you really, really take and something that you really, um, you know, think would help people out or are you just selling out because you want to put on sponsored by so-and-so in your Instagram bio and get a discount code and seem legit and then sell stuff that you don't even take yourself. You know what I'm saying? So, so yeah, there's that. There gotta be a lot of, you know, just, just flawed interest in, in the, cause there's so many superficial companies out there in the fitness industry yeah. specifically. They could just prey on people's emotions, like get jacked or lose weight. And then with yeah. that, you get just a bunch of subpar quality products. People, when to put a link yeah i yeah most definitely and and every people will sell i've found out in the fitness industry man people they'll sell anything <laughs> they don't really a lot of them don't really care they just want to say that they've got sponsored they're, they're sponsored and all this other stuff and there's no real integrity in the entire thing um so i made sure and i still to this day robert i mean i'm sure you as well i get hit up all the time by supplement companies and the offers are just crazy, but I turn them all down unless I genuinely take the product. I don't need to sell out, you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't right. need to go that route, you know? And so, um, but I see a lot of people who do sell out to be honest. Yeah. It's it sad. It's a sad reality, man. Like people, I mean, that goes with like branding and like social media and everything in general, like people want to make a quick buck and they do so at the loss of their integrity. And then they can't yep. really, I mean, I guess they could recover from that, but they, they take 10 steps back. I mean, it's not, not a worthwhile negotiation. Yeah. And we can, t we can talk directly. I mean, to kind of put it into keto terms, I see that as exogenous ketones. I, I got mm -hmm. hit up by prove it, all these companies like, Hey, you, I, I'm sure you as well. I don't know if you promote them. I don't believe in them. I, I, you can take them in the beginning, maybe to help with keto flu, combat some of the symptoms, things like that. But in terms of taking exogenous ketones as a way to burn fat, which is how they were positioned in the very beginning, and all these companies that were approaching me, that's what they were selling them as. And I, I could have made mm -hmm. millions by now selling that shit, <laughs> like. You know, like selling people the false dreams of, hey, you can get into ketosis in 45 seconds and burn all the fat you want and it's just as easy as taking this powder and you don't even have to follow the ketogenic diet or, hey, did you mess up and have a cheat meal, take some anxiety, you know what I'm saying? All that stuff and I decided just to keep my, uh, my, my integrity and um, I will recommend them every once in a while for people um, maybe to combat keto flu like I said but – and. And so, but I sat back and watched a lot of people. God, I hope you don't. I don't know. Did you, do you promote exogenous ketones? No, no. So my whole take on exogenous ketones is, is pretty simple, honestly. Like it's, I mean, my whole stick on keto in general is like, you've got to 
you know, you got to do what's not easy to do. And, and with that, you have to be consistent with your macros. You have to like dial in and get true quality foods and not take shortcuts. And exogenous yeah. ketones act as a shortcut like that. If sold simply to lose body fat, like when I'm in a contest prep, or when I've got clients that are trying to lose body fat, I never recommend exogenous ketones. I can yeah. see it being beneficial from like an anti-inflammatory standpoint or, you know, very acute, you know, treatment towards something else. But from a weight loss perspective, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. And that's what people want. And that's what these companies, they just want to lose weight, man. They just want to get a hold of their life and lose weight. And then here comes snake oil salesmen and saying, hey, you know, let's just sell some exogenous ketones and convince these people that they need them in order to be successful with the diet and all this stuff. And I'm telling you right now, I sat back and watched so many people like you and I who sold out, man, who I know knew that they did not work, but they were still, all I saw was dollar signs. And and it just took mm -hmm. me back. I'm just like, man, I, I just can never do that. That's just not the type of person I am. Like, you know, you just got to be real with people. So, you know, um, doing that, you know, selling products is always a tricky thing, you know, and just make sure you align yourself with, with companies that you actually believe in and with products that you actually take and that you think would benefit people. And, and that's it. But yeah, hundred percent, man, I think. It all goes back to integrity, right? Like there's so much opportunity in the fitness industry, any industry to, yeah. you know, put yourself out there and make a quick buck. But like I said, you know, if you're having to forego your morals to do so, it's not a worthwhile mm -hmm. exchange by any means for any amount of money. Yeah. And it's a tough business to be in full time, you know, and people are desperate to make mm -hmm. money and they want to make it in the fitness industry. And they, and that, that's what I think out of desperation, they just make the critical mistake of, just pumping product they don't really even believe in or they know doesn't work. And you see that all over. I, to tell you the truth, bro, I hate the fitness industry. Through all my experience, through seeing all the, the stuff that really goes on and how a lot of these companies, they don't really give a shit about your health, bro. You know that. They, they just, they're just looking for trends or they're looking for, you know, making false promises on products and they're almost just taking advantage of people, the majority of them, not all of them. I agree. I agree. I think the keto space as a whole has been pretty pure, but mm -hmm. I mean, like these supplement companies, they see that, you know, the trend in like you go to Google trends and keto diets, they one of the more, most searched terms. I mean, they're going to mm -hmm. prey on that and there's starting to be a lot more just dilution in the keto space, which is sad because I feel like you and I both came into it when it was just, you know, pure. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Totally. Like, think about it, man. Like three, four, you started like what, three years ago, four years ago, somewhere around there, probably the same time. Yeah. Four years ago. Yeah. And like, it's so different and it's because like capitalism and consumerism just grabbed a hold of it. I mean, we're talking about a diet mm -hmm. that was created in like 1920s and people were successfully doing it without anything at all. Um, mm -hmm. Now it's just it, – it's crazy to see where keto has gone from the time I had it, the time when I first started it. I didn't even talk about it back when I started it because I didn't want people to think I was crazy <laughs> to where it is now. Yeah. I mean you got like freaking – Esquire magazine and Vanity Fair and Cosmopolitan writing articles on it for God's sakes. Who would have who would have predicted that? Right? I mean Yeah, it's 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 crazy, man. I want to talk about the transition for you, man, from from carbs to keto, you know, talking about, mm -hmm. you know, children, working with them. I mean, dive into it a little further. Like that hits close yes. to home to me. Like I said, I didn't know you even did that. But my brother 
used to be super depressed. I mean, cutting wrists and everything. And it, I don't know, it's just a very sad place to be in. Yeah, it is. And when that stuff, when all that, that's all like chemical imbalances and, and a lot of that stuff, you know, and regulating hormones is very, very, very important for that kind of thing. Um, and I, like I said, I saw that diet work on children who, you know, were seeing numbers in the sky and talking to themselves and that the worst depression kids that had tried to kill themselves a few days before the saying that let food be thy medicine is that, that, that is 100% true. What you put in your mouth determines pretty much everything about you. Um, and so, you know, that was eye opening. Uh, you asked about my transition from carbs to keto, right? I mean, that is an interesting story. Um, as a as a wrestler growing up, I always thought it was just calories in, calories out. You had to starve yourself, work out, you know, and I didn't pay any attention to the types of food. At that point in my life, a calorie was simply a calorie. It didn't matter. It was all about, you know, calories in, calories out. And then, you know, when I got into the fitness industry and started doing some more research, I noticed that every single professional bodybuilder, all these people, fitness models were cutting carbs before shows. I was like, well, there must be some link between carbohydrates and fat accumulation. Then I read a book by Gary Taubes called Why We Get Fat. Have you read that book before? Uh, on audio, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing. And that really opened up my eyes to carbohydrates, the role they play in fat accumulation and things. And I was like, wow, it's not simply an energy balance problem. It's a hormone balancing problem. And I had evidence of this from the time I worked with the children. And, and, um, and so I, I, you know, at that point was doing low carb. I was doing carb cycling. And, and if, if anybody out there has just cut carbs before without increasing the fat and just doing a low carb, high protein diet, you know that it's a disaster. Like you have absolutely no energy whatsoever, right? It's a miserable experience, which is why most bodybuilders only do it temporarily, right? And as soon as they're done getting off stage, they're right mm -hmm. back to you know, the carbs, but, um, I had done the low carb stuff for a while and, um, you know, suffered from the low energy, but as soon as I increased the fat, so when I found keto, I was already doing low carb, but as soon as I increased the fat, it solved my energy problem. It was like, wow, I can effortlessly cut carbs. And I felt like I hit the Holy grail. Now, let me make this very clear to people because there's this big debate on do carbs make you fat, right? I'm sure you get a lot of that. I mean, every day I'm reading comments on YouTube like, oh, I can eat all the carbs I want and not get fat. You're full of crap, blah, blah, blah. Do you get that kind of stuff? Oh yeah, all the time. Yeah. Well, here's the reality of it. I personally, thanks to my mother and father and grandparents, I genetically, I'm what's called insulin sensitive. I can eat all the damn carbs I want, Robert, and I will never get fat ever. Like I, I used to back when I wasn't even training and working out, like we discussed earlier in the, in the podcast, I was eating all the carbs I wanted and I wasn't getting fat. And that's just because I'm insulin mm -hmm. sensitive. Thanks to my genetics. Um, but that doesn't mean that I can go out and tell everybody else that they can do the same thing. Right. Most people right. are insulin right. resistant meaning they can't tolerate carbohydrates. Even a small amount of carbohydrates makes their blood sugar skyrocket and they have to produce an enormous amount of insulin, which is a fat storage hormone. So that's where I think people kind of get confused, um, you know, uh, and why I, I'm not just out there. I could very easily just go out on the internet and say, yeah, you can eat all the carbs you want. You're not going to get fat. Look at me, right? 
but so with, it's not, with it's you not being as insulin sensitive as you are, mm-hmm. why do you why do you choose to go keto? Uh, for the mint, for the the like, I, well, to stay extra lean. First off, you know when I say don't get fat, I'm mm-hmm. not talking about being. I'm not going to get fat, but I'm not going to be. I guess as shredded, quote unquote, as I am now. I'm not going to be able to maintain that, especially as lean as I am now. Um, I think the reason I chose to stay on the ketogenic diet was for the mental clarity benefits, uh, for the energy sustainability benefits, for the overall, for just the understanding that, you know, carbohydrates cause so much inflammation in the body and they lead to all these metabolic disasters. So from an, uh, from a health perspective, I chose to do it. And the other thing was, I felt duped. Like when I first found out about keto at the, at, from these doctors, I was like, holy shit, I've been lied to my whole life. I was taught my whole life that fat kills you and clogs your arteries um, and that you should eat more carbohydrates. I mean, think about the food pyramid, 60 to 70% carbs. Like, so I felt like I was like being li- – I had been lied to my whole life by the establishment, government, big business – and there was no way I was going to let him win. It's like I finally found the answer and I was just – there's no way I was going back to that. You know what I mean? It's, it was a huge eye-opener. So yeah, I, I – and so I would – just given that fact, I'm like, you know what? You know, screw all these people, man. They're out there lying to people. There's so – that's why I continue to stay on the ketogenic diet is it's, it's extr- extremely easy for me to um, stay in good condition all year round, have amazing energy. I'm preventing myself from getting freaking crazy stuff like diabetes and depression and and just roller coaster of energy levels. Um, I'll never go back to a carbohydrate based diet. There's just it's kind of crazy, man. Like you and I both coming from like the traditional fitness industry background. There's just so much ignorance there, especially with you know comp- mm-hmm. competitors and contest prep and how it relates to keto. Because so many people you know, think they're keto and they just simply remove the carbs. But like you said earlier, you know, they have their protein sky high and their fat is very minimal. And there's yeah. just so much ignorance there. And they all just are convinced that you have to have carbs in order to have any, you know, sustainable muscle growth or, you know, build any substantial muscle. So there's just mm-hmm. so much ignorance in the, the bodybuilding, and, you know, physique competitor sports specifically. I think they're gonna be like yeah, the last people are starting man. to wake up there too, though. And you know that because I know you work with a lot of bodybuilders. And I'll tell you what, the number one, not the number one, but a lot of people that come to me for coaching are former bodybuilders who are completely burned out, have completely ruined their metabolisms and just want some, you know, they're like looking for the answer. Um because they've been on that roller coaster bodybuilder type diet before. Um, and when you tell them, hey, it's as easy as all you had to do is inc- not be afraid of fat and increase your healthy fats, you would have been fine. And they just sit there and they're like, oh my God. And they just go back and they think about all the times they ran incredibly high amounts of protein, wrecking their kidneys, and then dropping their carbs to like zero grams a day and ruining their entire metabolism by starving themselves. Um, and it's crazy. Uh, but I think bodybuilders, I think fitness competitors are starting to embrace fat a little bit more and not being so scared of it, especially after the rise of keto. They're kind of like, hmm, maybe I can increase the healthy fats and it's not going to ruin my physique like they all told me it would. So it's happening. Yeah, definitely. That's exciting for sure. I'm, I'm hoping, you know, for me, like I've done shows with carbs, I've done shows with keto. 
And like too. the the main difference for me was just you know the post show effect because mm-hmm. like with with standard carbohydrate based you know prep when you step off that stage you start slamming donuts and carbs i mean i gained 20 pounds literally in 24 hours after that yeah. first show and <laughs> i'm never going back it. to that yeah and the same thing is true yeah, it's not with worth it. no and that, that's how i felt as a wrestler i would lose 10 pounds a week bro and then gain it all back in two days show up on monday and have to lose 10 pounds again i was doing that for years mm-hmm. and just starving myself and following an unsustainable approach to lose weight and god knows what i was doing to my body but and then like you said i also in the beginning of my career before i knew about keto was stepping on stage and i at that point was you know doing you know just a straight low carb diet without increasing the fat feeling like death nobody wanted to be around me um and i was just holding strong and i knew the minute i got off stage i was gonna go crush like you said donuts and sugar and carbs and everything i could possibly get my hands on um and uh so that's why keto has kind of helped me out i'm like dude i'm about to do a show in 10 days or 13 days bro i know i know i was gonna ask you about that too yeah i'm about to go rock a show 13 days from now looking the best i've ever looked and feeling better than i've ever felt with all the competitions i've done combined i'm a confused man you're supposed to be a zombie at this stage right now right yeah exactly (laughs) I know, right? And I had been before. I look back being like 13 days out from all these other shows I did before keto and I, I was miserable. I was questioning life. I was just like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? I better win or else I'm going to be pissed because all the sacrifice I'm making. I have made some slight adjustments doing keto for this competition versus just regular keto. Like I've, I've uh, early on, like a, a few weeks ago, I started increasing my protein intake, mainly almost just by eating more steak. I do that, bro. I almost went straight carnivore mm-hmm. almost like I, I, so that's a typically different. I usually like to keep my protein intake between 10 and 20%. Um, but, uh, I kind of experimented with going up to 25, sometimes 30%. Like I said, mostly from increased red meat consumption. And I found that kind of helps with the fullness um, so I've been tinkering around with a little, a few things here and there. I might, um, for the last week, uh, incorporate some intermittent fasting, which is something I've never done before. But that won't be very hard. I'll just have to drink black coffee in the morning instead of keto coffee, right? I mean, I don't typically eat my first and, meal until 12, 1 o'clock anyways, post-workout. Right, right. That's pretty similar to my protocol. You, you're you're doing like no tracking though. You're not hardcore tracking your macros at all right now, right? No, uh-uh. I, I, uh, no, not once. I mean, I know instinctively I've been doing this diet for so long and, um, I know for a fact, like if somebody was tracking my day today, I know for a fact I'd be between 70 and 80% of my calories from fat. Uh, probably like I said, 20, 25% from protein. Uh, and I guarantee I'm less than 50 grams total carbs, which is always the general rule for me. And it's, I've, I've just, I have the confidence. I know what types of foods I'm eating. Um, I stopped tracking a long time ago. Uh, I think tracking is very important in the beginning uh, to make sure that you are following the ketogenic diet ratios, to make sure that you're eating the right types of foods, um, and and to give you the confidence you need. But it's kind of like learning how to dance, in my opinion. When you learn how to dance, you have to count steps off in your head, right? Like step one, step two, three. And then if you ever want to become a professional dancer, in my opinion, you have to stop counting steps off in your head. And you got to be confident. You have to move with the rhythm of the music. You have to be able to tr- make, you know, 
you can add your own flair to it. You can totally free yourself up. And so, and I see that a lot, man, to be honest with you. I see a lot of people who get frustrated with the tracking stuff because they don't feel like they, they, they just don't, they have so much going on in their damn life that they can't track every single day for the rest of their life. And I think it's important for people to try and stop tracking, to use the force, as I say, to, to kind of trust yourself. It's almost like tracking is like your guiding star. Like you're not going to, I don't recommend taking your entire journey, uh, looking up at this star the entire way through. Use that as kind of a, a guide to make sure you're going in the right direction, but enjoy the scenery. And if you ever get lost, you can always go back to tracking, which is what I do. If I have a day where I'm like, Ugh, I don't, or a few days in a row where I'm like, I don't, something's up. Like, I don't know what's going on. I'll go back, take a look up at my guiding star. I'll track for a day or two just to make sure that, okay, yeah, I'm doing everything right. We're good to go. And and I carry on after that. Yeah, no, that's 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 awesome, man. I mean, I think you know being able to do that is is very very admirable. I I'm a, take a little different stance. Like I track everything when I'm in a contest prep. When I'm in the off season, yeah. I'm much more relaxed with it. Like I still obviously stay keto, you know, um, but when I'm in a contest prep, I treat it like a science experiment. I want to just have as many stuff, you know, as many variables controlled as possible, and just make yeah. very minute manipulations and just data track everything. <laughs> Yeah, no, there's different. And I totally respect that as well. And there's different people, different strokes for different folks. You know, some people, they like, they are analytical. Um, they're very detail oriented and they, and they have to go about doing things that way. Um, and there's the other set of people like myself who do much better instinctively, who much, who, you know, it's kind of almost like that without getting it, we, we can get into the calorie thing if you want, but it's almost like the same thing with counting calories. I know there's this big, huge debate and you know where I stand on it. But there's this big, huge debate on whether you need to track calories on the ketogenic diet. We don't need to get into why some people say you do and why some people say you don't. The fact is, if counting calories helps you out, then do it. Um, if you don't want to count calories, luckily the ketogenic diet can allow you not to do that because it has the appetite suppressive effect. You know, you can get away without doing it. Um, so it's which approach do you want to take? You, both ways, though, you can be successful and you can even switch them up. And I've gotten very more a lot more open-minded about that. You know me, I've, I've railed against the calorie counting stuff big time. Um, but I'm open to it more because I've heard the stories from people and I've seen the transformations from people that have gotten results by hyper excessively counting calories and managing a lot of that stuff and more power to them. And who am I to say you shouldn't do it? Uh, but then on the other side, I've worked with people and freed them from calorie counting and that made the difference between them being successful because they didn't, they didn't, they either didn't have the capacity or they didn't want to focus on that stuff. They just wanted to know what types of foods to eat. And that was enough to get them where they were needed to go. You know what I mean? I certainly don't yeah. want to leave anybody behind because they can't count calories for the rest of their life. Same is true. I don't want to leave anybody behind because they can't track in my fitness pal every single day for the rest of their life. Um, it's up to them. They have two ways to go about no, it, but. I, I totally agree, man. I think the beauty of keto is that, you know, you can you can do keto the way that you as a person prefer to do things. Like if you're exactly. hyper analytical and you like tracking everything, you can. If you want to be pretty instinctive, then I think keto is the best diet to enable you to be instinctive. Yeah, you can't go instinctive when it comes to – and that's the beauty of it. People are like, For those of you who may be curious about what we mean by instinctive, that essentially means eat when you're hungry and stop eating when you're full like a, like a lion in the wild. Like when a lion in the wild gets the urge to eat because it's a completely well-regulated hormonal system, it's, everything is in, in, in balance, 
it can trust that instinct and it goes up and it makes a kill and it eats the fattiest part of the animal first because that's where all the nutrients are at. That's what fills it up. And as soon as it gets the urge, the signal, the instinct to stop eating, it just walks away. It doesn't care how much is left on the carcass. It doesn't care how many calories it's had. It doesn't care what time of the day it is. It walks away and it leaves the lean stuff for the scavengers. And that is the main difference between the following the ketogenic diet and being able to do that. When you're running on carbohydrates, you're basically a drug addict and you can't trust your instincts because what happens is you eat carbohydrates, your blood sugar goes up, you're on the drugs, you're feeling great. And then all of a sudden it all comes crashing down and you're like a drug addict out trying to score more drugs. And, and that's, that's your instinct. Your instinct is to find more drugs. And, and you cannot follow your instincts on that. But because on the ketogenic diet, you are eating foods that keep your hormones in balance, your blood sugar, your insulin levels, and everything else, you can start to listen to yourself. You can start trusting yourself and know that if you eat high fat foods, the beauty of it is they're very filling. You cannot sit there and overeat. Both of us have tried. How difficult was it to force feed yourself fat? I mean, right now I'm doing 6,000 calories a day and it ain't easy. <laughs> How many are you doing? 6,000, man, for six months. Holy crap, that's crazy. Damn, bro, mad <laughs> respect. Yeah, it's not easy. Fat has a really good way of shutting you down. Um, and and that's actually get, just kind of rolling off that. That is one of the reasons why building muscle on a ketogenic diet is, in my opinion, more difficult. You don't need carbs to build muscle. You know what you need to do? You need to eat. And if you're not eating, that means you're not building muscle. The very first thing you notice when you start building muscle is your appetite goes up. And because of the yeah, types of foods you're eating on keto, it's like, it's like hard to eat. Um, it just has such an appetite suppressive nature to the diet. Uh, but if you want to build muscle, you got to eat. So I'm sure you're over there deadlifting you know, like a madman. Uh, but that's the cool are – you, are, have you noticed yeah. your performance go up with the increased calories? Yeah, yeah, all my all my strength numbers have increased. Um, I mean, I'm definitely putting on a little bit of body fat with such a high, you know, intake, but I'm also putting mm -hmm. on a lot of muscle. I mean, literally all my numbers have improved. Um, I mean, it's very difficult to eat this much food. Like I, when we did 4,000, I, I did the 4,000 calorie thing right after you. I, actually, mm -hmm. this is an interesting thing. Right after my competition is when I did that, which was the, the cool thing for me, man, because in the past, like we were saying, I put on so much weight afterwards. And then I was like in peak week watching your series, like, oh my gosh, this man's amazing. He's eating 4,000 calories and not getting fat. So I did the exact <laughs> same thing after my show and didn't get fat. And that's like the, the, the real big light bulb moment for me from like a metabolic hormonal standpoint of the benefit of the diet, you know, cause you're like totally, your testosterone's through the floor. I mean, everything's just trashed after competition. Yeah. So for me not to have the negative repercussions was a yeah. huge turning point for me. But, and not know, having to like- 6,000 calories. Yeah, now, now that I'm at 6,000 calories, man, like it's just a whole other animal of just not, not being hungry. Like I could eat 4,000 calories. I feel like I could stomach that fairly easily. But man, 6,000 is just, it's, I do not want to eat anymore. I'm definitely force feeding. But it's, it's, let me know how that goes. It'll be interesting to see. Do you know what your protein percentage is at of those 6,000 calories? What percentage of it is protein? Yeah, I'm still doing 80% of my calories coming from fat. So my protein is, is, oh, damn you know, low percentage wise, but it's all still relative. I mean, like at 6,000 calories, I'm still taking in like 220, 250 grams of protein, 550 grams of fat. Holy cow, that's crazy. <laughs> but then again, how much more crazy it is than like 250 when the average person gets 50 grams of fat a day. Isn't that crazy? 
The average person gets 50 grams yeah. of fat a day. God. And and f- about 500 grams of carbs. <laughs> no, I think the average statistic is like three to yeah. 400 grams of carbs. Um, yeah, I, I, I have definitely noticed uh, the more I eat, the better I perform. No doubt about it. Um, and the less I eat, the less I perform. No doubt about it. Uh, you know what happens to a lab rat when they starve it out in a cage? It just sits there. It does nothing. It sits there mm-hmm. because it doesn't want to move a muscle because it can't afford to expend any energy whatsoever because it knows it's not getting any back. So it just sits there and lives its entire life not moving a muscle. What a miserable ex- existence. And then when you overfeed a rat, it doesn't stop moving. It does not stop moving. It wants to break yeah. the damn cage down. And 100%, man. I feel like yeah. you and I both relate with the fact that you see so many people – you know, especially in this industry that are just chronically malnourished, underfed because they're trying to lose weight, but their body is literally up against the wall and will not budge because they're not giving it any fuel. Yeah, they're just taking their metabolism and to a screeching halt. They're like the mouse that knows it has to sit there and not move, but through willpower, they're going to move anyways. And they're going to find out the hard way, just like I did as a wrestler growing up. You're going you're gonna to fail. You're going to fail straight up. No doubt about it. And you might get to your glory moment where you're like, yay, I starved myself out and I reached the best physique I've ever had. Somebody hurry up, take a picture. Somebody hurry up, give me my trophy because I can't stay here for very long. Eat the right types of foods and it will set you free. No doubt about it. Um, and there's just understand there's everybody's different. There's more than one way to skin the cat. And a lot of that comes through experimentation. Um, and... Yeah, it's just been great. Let me ask you a question. Have you tried the uh, carnivore diet? Yeah, my whole take on carnivore is I'll do carnivore. Um, like I'll I'll go you know a month or so without any vegetables, without any greens, and then I'll just start craving like huge salad. So then I'll eat my big mm. salad, and I'm not gonna feel bad about it, and I'm gonna feel fine. Um, and all yeah. as well, you know. I think I think a cyclical approach to carnivore is key. Like it gives your body a chance to kind of wipe the slate clean, give your gut microbiome a chance to breathe and just kind of like mm-hmm. wipe the slate clean basically. But then I'm not demonizing vegetables by any means either. No, no, me either. I kind of, what about like you? I said, I kind of walked a fine line with carnivore. I don't want to fully do carnivore because it's, A, it's not necessary for me and B, I don't find it sustainable for me. Anybody out there doing carnivore, if you've been able to sustain, mm-hmm. if you can sustain it your whole life, the more power to you. For me, it's not sustainable. Um, but I have noticed that the more red meat I eat, um, you know, the more I, I do, my strength has gone up. Um, obviously, I haven't put on any body fat whatsoever, but I'm a big fan of the green leafy vegetables, broccoli, spinach, kale, asparagus, Brussels sprouts, all that stuff cooked in butter. There's no way I'm giving that up. Like, so I've been eating yeah. for this prep, a lot of red meat, a lot of eggs. For anybody out there listening, eat more eggs, please. I guarantee you that's the best thing you can do. <laughs> Eat more eggs, the incredible edible egg. Interestingly enough about eggs, so there's something called the insulin index, just like the glycemic index where they rank foods based on how much they spike your insulin. Eggs spike insulin the least. Mm-hmm. So I've been eating a hell of a lot of eggs and a hell of a lot of meat and a hell of a lot of green leafy vegetables, and I'm looking better and feeling better than ever before. It's a little weird thing. I started, So I started looking – this carnivore thing kind of intrigued me, and so I started looking into a lion's diet. Do you know lions eat grass when lions in the wild will eat grass to help with digestion? Yeah, like dogs will too. Like if you watch your dog, they'll they'll go up, grab a big old mouthful of grass every once in a while. 
Yeah, so I'm like thinking, damn, that's interesting. Like a lion who is a carnivore who just straight eats meat um, will eat grass. And I just found it interesting. And I'm like, all right, well, then maybe I'll try that. <laughs> I'm a lion. So, <laughs> go eat some grass. Uh, so that's what I've been doing. Now. Yeah, so I go out and eat like a, a cup of grass every day. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, man. Like your own self-sustained lawnmower. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, but you know, it's a, it's a heck of a journey, man. Um, so are you doing a competition anytime soon? No, man, I'm going to, I'm going to take some time off, put some more size on with this 6,000 calories. And then I'll probably compete again in 2020 is my plan. I think Crystal and I are going to both do a show prep together in 2020 and just, uh, cause like the thing about natural bodybuilding, man, and, and you can probably attest to this is, you know, so many people try and do a show every single year, every six months. And as a natural competitor, like you just can't put on nope. muscle in that time, yeah. especially if you're at a deficit. I mean, you have to give your body time to recover and fully reset itself. And then, you know, time at a surplus of food to build more tissue. Yeah, 100%. And since we're on the topic of natural bodybuilding, I will tell everybody that I am natural along with you. Uh, and I le- let me let me just really quickly say this. Uh, the majority of people out there that you see in the fitness industry are not. And it really kills me and it really makes you want to literally scream. I've done it quite a few times of how many people out there like ourselves who will go out and tell you that you can eat all the sugar you want and stay as lean as them. But what they're not telling you is they're taking substances that essentially it doesn't matter what diet they're on, right? They can tell you anything they want. And as long as they're taking that pill or injecting themselves with whatever they're doing, it doesn't matter. And that's why I hate the fitness industry because you see a lot of that stuff go on now where these cats are just telling you you can eat all the carbs you want. Keto is the dumbest thing in the entire world. Meanwhile, you know, it, they're, not, they're not doing it naturally. And if they were left to do it naturally, they wouldn't be shit, period. End of discussion. Yeah. So I respect no, I, you. I respect I you totally 100%. I can totally man. Yeah. Doesn't it make you so mad? And you sit there and you know, like these, this cat is, listen to him talking about, oh, a calorie is a calorie and keto's stupid. And you just look at him and you're like, bro, you're the farthest thing from natural. But, you know, because people judge on appearance, you can get away with saying whatever you want and they'll believe you. That's the sad part about this industry. Yeah. But I respect you 100% for. My whole take on steroids is like, yeah, if, if people want to take steroids and they're, I mean, that that's just the way they want to go. They want to be an IFBB pro bodybuilder and make that their livelihood and, and get those, you know, big bodybuilding checks. Yeah, go for it. They're, they're going to have to take steroids to be competitive. You know, go Most for it. Most definitely, 100%. Don't honest about it. Like, you have to be honest with the decisions you make in life. And yep. for someone to say that they're natural or not taking steroids, but they clearly are, it's, it's mm-hmm. sending a false image of hope to people that don't know the difference. And, yeah. and that's where I have a frustration. Yeah, bro. I have absolutely, if you want to take steroids, do it. I don't give a shit. I could care less. I don't even judge you for doing it. I, I, I've had plenty. Trust me. I've been in this industry for a long time. Almost all my friends do period straight up. Do I judge any of them for it? No. But when you start talking nonsense about diet and set unrealistic expectations for people and tell the average person they can eat 300 grams of carbs, no problem. Look at me. I do it. It just goes back to the same thing like me. Like I was saying, I can get away with that kind of stuff. Doesn't mean I'm going to go tell everybody else they can too. And it just, it, it bothers me, man. Like if you have aspirations to be an IFBB pro, like you said, you're going to have to run this. You're going to have to get on gear. You're going to have to do it. 
but just be careful what you say, right? And 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 be real yeah, with people. Definitely. You know, and because uh, you're dealing with people's lives, you know, and especially these young kids who uh, they don't know any better, man. They just see six pack and a pretty face and they'll they'll listen to whatever diet advice you give them. You know? While we're on the topic of, of controversial, you know, things and, and just misinformation out there, what, what would you say is one big uh, what, what is something that's in the keto space that, that you think is, is misinformed or a controversial topic that? It needs to be fleshed out. <clears throat> um, I don't even know where to start, man. Like, it's all controversial. It's it go. You can go to the saturated fat. You can go to just everything. The whole damn thing is a controversy, man. And that's why I love it. Honestly, like, it's. I don't know, man. I don't even know how to go into it. Uh, you can. It's it's almost to a point now where I'm extremely frustrated with the whole thing because it feels like I've always taken a position recently of defending. I and I'm not a defensive type of person. Like I have to like I get sent articles every freaking day by somebody saying, "Oh, look, so and so study said this, and uh, coconut oil kills you," and like, "Oh, look, they you know this this quote unquote this magazine said." Um, you know, that, you know, eating butter kills you. And then the, the ironic thing is that same magazine two weeks later is going to publish a, a t top 10 foods to eat that are high fat and healthy for you. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. I can't keep up with it. It's keto because it is controversial, makes the perfect headline. And that's what I keep saying is I, I, I loved keto and I still do and always will, but I almost hate it in the state that it's in right now. Because now what you've got is big business and you've got big publishing companies and all this. And I've, I've been in advertising half my life. I know how it works. Like they're just looking for headlines and clicks and they're going to trigger people any chance they get. And then when the backlash comes, they're going to cater to the other side. And it's just gotten to a point to where it's all confusing and, and misleading and believe what you want. <laughs> I don't care uh, anymore. I don't even respond to people that send me like, oh, can you make a video on – this person over here that, you know, said this and it's like, man, I don't know. I can't even keep up with it. And it's putting me in a bad state of mind. All I know is that your body needs fat to function and you've been lied to. And if you want to, if you want to die early, keep crushing those carbs. You know what I'm saying? I don't care if you embrace the fat. It doesn't matter to me at all. Um, I, I, I think what we, I think what everybody needs to do is like, look at people's transformations. The results speak for themselves right? How in the world, there's a page called Keto Transformations. There's several pages. It's got like 300,000 uh, followers. They post new transformation, Keto Transformations every single day. I personally, you personally have been a part of hundreds of transformations. I, I, that's all I care about. That's all for me to be confident that I'm doing what I need to be doing. I look at those pictures and there's no way anybody's going to tell me when I look at a before and after picture on a keto transformation, somebody loses a hundred pounds, but then this article is going to tell me that that person's probably going to die soon because they're following keto. Really? I mean, how does that make any sense whatsoever? The other thing is this, how in the world are you going to tell me that the ketogenic diet is going to kill me when they use it in cancer research, when it was created to help kids who suffer from epilepsy and seizures? When I've personally seen it help severely depressed people, anxiety-ridden people, they're using it for Alzheimer's research, Parkinson's. How the why the hell? Somebody please tell me why a doctor 
would take a cancer patient in and say, hey, well, listen, man, you got cancer. That's the bad news. But we're going to put you on this diet uh, knowing that it's going to kill you before the cancer does. Like, why would they do that? Why would you give a cancer patient a ketogenic diet if it was going to kill them before the cancer? You wouldn't. Like, and that's, that's, and so as you can tell, I get very heated about it because I know it's just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. And I'll tell you the truth, Robert, back when I first started and I started coaching and stuff uh, and doing consultations, I do consultations where people can call me for, I'll talk to you for an hour about anything you want, help you out, answer all your questions, right? The consultations used to go like this. Hey man, how do I do the ketogenic diet? How do I measure ketones? You know, can you assure me that everything's good? And and, um, you know, all these standard questions that you would get with any other diet. Now I get nothing but keto confusion. I get people that come to me, they're scared to death. They've read all these stories. They, they're, they're confused because so-and-so said this. And then over there on YouTube, so-and-so said that. And they're just straight confused, keto confusion. And yeah. it's like, damn, man, people, <laughs> it does like not have to be that difficult. Really, it does not have to be that difficult. You eat high fat foods, you keep the protein at a moderate level, and you kick the carbs. Um, and you make slight adjustments as you go along, but that's the foundation of it all. It all comes down to just keeping blood sugar and insulin levels under control. Damn, like, you know, ugh. So, no, I 100% agree, man. I feel like, you know, something I've always said is like if classic, you know, you know, 80, 20 analysis. Like if you want to really just optimize your health, be the better than you've ever been before, feel better than you've ever felt before and live longer, you eat quality ketogenic foods, whole yep. foods, you know, without any kind of crap in there at a, you know, standard ketogenic ratio. And that's pretty much solving, you know, 80, 90% of your issue right there. If you want to optimize yeah. that next 10%, next 5%, you start going into details like, like all these you know topics of discussion. But at some point you have to just, you know, move yourself away from the paralysis analysis keto confusion thing and yeah. then just put your head down and get to work and if you know something's working then just put your head down and work with it yeah 100 percent, robert uh, amen like people people are getting too caught up in the details and like you just said they're getting paralysis by analysis and these people want to go into it i like ideally like perfect like it's got to be perfect or else they're not going to be able to do it and it's just like man this is this is just like any other diet you know um, it's just better than any other diet, but it's the same in that it's all about persistence. It's all about setting yourself up for the long term, being able to, you know, um, understand the type of person you are, and 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 do you, for just focus on the basics, keep things simple, and enjoy the journey. Um, but the other thing is, I think people kind of get wrapped up in like keto because it's so big and so many people have made amazing transformations it's like they expect to lose 30 pounds in two weeks and when they don't they freak out and i'm like yo dude you've been on the diet for two yeah. weeks what what do you you think you want to you know why don't i look like you and robert and, and it's been a month i've been on the diet for a month and i don't have abs like robert does it's like dude you you've you've you know uh <laughs> let's be real here um it's so I don't know, man. I don't know where that takes our, our listeners, but I've got like a million questions. We're gonna have, we're gonna have to do a follow up podcast, man, because there's just so many questions I got. But I got one yeah. other question, and that right. is, you know, the, the real star of this show is Paxton because he's cuter than both of us. <laughs> um, so I'm curious as to like your take on keto for kids. Yeah, great question, man. Uh, well, Paxton, in his unique case, is allergic, highly allergic to nuts and uh, eggs. 
So that's um that's gonna that's gonna hurt him when it comes to being keto. No, but um my 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 general thought is first of all I I don't I would never force my lifestyle on my child. So it's not like I would ever make either of my children um f- you know go keto. Uh, I definitely one hundred percent will be monitoring their sugar intake, meaning I'm I'm gonna make sure that I'm not feeding them processed, refined carbohydrates and sugar. Um, I think childhood obesity is the saddest thing on earth. Also, if you think about it, kids are getting diabetes at 12 years old. And I, I simply will educate my son and my future daughter on the types of foods that they're eating and encourage them to eat single foods, whole ingredient foods. I'm not going to cut their carbs. I'm going to make sure they get more healthy fat. So I'm going to teach them it's okay to have butter. You can use olive oil. Try some coconut oil. Hey, you know, do you like pumpkin seeds? Try these sunflower seeds. Hey, do you want steak for dinner or do you want salmon for dinner? You know, do you want me to put cheese on your broccoli so you'll eat it? Type of stuff. Um, I'm not going to ever prevent my son from eating candy. Um, I'm just going to strategically introduce it. One thing is crazy, bro. I, if anybody out there questions whether sugar is a drug or not, give it to a two-year-old and see what happens. Mm-hmm. I will never forget the look on my kid's face when I gave him uh, fruit, as a matter of fact, which is a form of sugar. But when I gave him fruit, strawberries for the first time, he looked at me like, holy cow. Then it just came into bars. So like uh, some of these, we bought some of these um, supposedly healthy, uh, like uh, whatever nutrition bars, you know, and it had like, I didn't realize it had like 15 grams of sugar in it. He would not, he wanted to, he was walking over to the cabinet to get bars every 20 minutes. Like he, sugar is a very addictive drug. (laughs) There is no question about it. It got so bad. We used to go to Chick-fil-A and get him nuggets. And instead of fries, we would get him fruit. And we made the mistake of letting him eat the fruit first one day. Then every time we ever go to Chick-fil-A, we now have to hide the fruit because he will refuse to eat his chicken until he gets that sugar. Wow. It's it's crazy how much like companies market to kids in like, yeah. the, the foods that they eat, especially like in babies. Sad. Dude, think about us growing up, man. We were like that generation where – I mean, dude, bro, I was eating God knows how much sugar growing up. My parents weren't watching what I was eating, bro. I was yep. going to school eating pizza. I remember I remember my pizza, my favorite lunch um, was the square pizza and french fries with ranch and I ate it every single day. Every day. Um, mm-hmm. I would come home from school and just eat ice cream. I would I, – dude, <laughs> and that's the thing, especially at a young age where I I'd probably ate no healthy fat growing up at all. Um, and that stuff's very important for the development of children's brains as as studies show and and common sense says. Um, but yeah, you look at it's 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 alarming, you know how they have to literally have an entire aisle just to fit all the different brands of frozen pizzas. Like holy cow, are you serious? Mm-hmm. Like it's and it's going to be difficult. I've already accepted the challenge. It's going to be difficult to keep my son off the sugar. So my best bet is to just control it without, you know, letting him still be a kid, obviously. But uh, is his allergy to like nuts and eggs something that he can grow out of as he gets older? Or is it like just, you know, he's, he's just going to have it he's got no He's got no chance of growing out of the nuts. He had nuts once and it sent him an anaphylactic shock and we were at the hospital and his whole body blew up and his throat almost swelled shut. So he has zero chance of growing out of that, but he might grow out of the egg allergy. 
which is what we're hoping for, if anything. Um, that's also very scary. And you could get on, you should have somebody on your next podcast to talk about the rise of allergies and how back in the day, allergies were almost non existent. Now, like freaking one in three kids got some kind of food allergy. So I'd be anxious to hear one of your podcasts talking with somebody that knows something about that. But um, yeah, one sure. thing, one thing that to wrap up on the whole kids thing, I think leading by example is the best thing you can do. And what I've noticed is people that I've worked with, um, one-on-one have always told me like, yeah, my kids are starting to eat this way and, and they're starting to see how I'm doing. And, and it, it, it's like, no, you're never gonna be able to tell a kid don't do this. But if a kid, they're observant, they see what you're eating. And if you're sitting there eating good, healthy, single ingredient, whole foods, they're going to do the same and they're going to think it's cool. And, and it's just going to be normal. So the best thing if you want to control your kid's diet is control your own. I 100% agree, man. I don't even have kids. And I've always said that, you know, like when I do have kids, if I have kids, I'm going to lead by example and not, not yeah. try and force anything upon them that I wouldn't live myself, you know? Exactly, bro. It's such is life. But listen, I'm, I'm sad we ran out of time. We are definitely going to have to have another, uh, another session, but I appreciate you having me For on. Sure, man. I, I respect you 100%. And I can't wait to get another workout in with you. Maybe you'll get me to deadlift next time, man. You never know. Hey, let's, let's plan on it, brother. Let's plan on it. I'll make a trip down there. We'll make it happen. Where, where can people go to find out more about you, man? Uh, so I got my YouTube channel, um, which my first name is Jason. My last name is Whitrock, W-I-T-T. R-O-C-K. I also have a website, ketoquest.com. You can go there. Um, follow me on Instagram, jason.witrock. Um, and one last just quick message, man, everybody out there that's listening to this. Clearly, if you're listening to this man's podcast, you're on a mission to kind of improve your life. And uh, just hang in hang in there. Um, don't make it perfect. Just, just, just do the best you can every single day and you know, roll with the punches and, and, and stay strong and stay persistent. And uh, you know, they say fortune favors the bold and, and victory belongs to those who persevere and, uh, you know, and, and just keep marching forward and people like Robert and myself are there to back you up. 100%, man. I love it. I love it. Well, let's do another one for sure. And until Absolutely. next time, man, pleasure as right. always. Thanks again for the time. I appreciate it, bro. Take care, brother. Bye-bye.